One of the joys of being one of your pastors is these opportunities that we have to look into God's word together, to point one another to Jesus, to new life in Jesus. And along the way, it's also fun for me to get to share uh, bits of my life with you as I've, as I've done here and there. And I want to do here in just a moment. Because we, we often talk about the gospel. At Faith Church, we, we remind each other frequently of the gospel. And the gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and I through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And I am so thankful that, that no matter how long I've been a Christian, as I continue to follow Jesus, his word speaks to me and he helps me to understand more and more. And, and one of the ways that God has worked in my life is, is through my family. Five, five years, five plus years ago, when our family grew via adoption, God has used that to really speak to me. When our family grew via earthly adoption, what I come sometimes refer to as horizontal adoption, us adopting children into our family, that horizontal adoption, God has used that to show me and my family so much of his heart and the truth and the beautiful good news of the gospel of our vertical adoption. That followers of Jesus, you are chosen, loved, pursued, rescued, and adopted into God's family. Isn't that glorious good news? And and then this week, uh, God gave me this opportunity to reflect. In the midst of the swirling circumstances and tension in our culture right now, I had the opportunity this week to to reflect on this, that that, uh, my family, my earthly family, is a multiracial family. And that reality gives us just a glimpse of, of the glorious truth. It gives us just a glimpse of our family in God's family, of the reality that God's family includes people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, we are reminded that there will come a day in the future when, when a great multitude of, of of people rescued by Jesus, Jesus followers, people who have been rescued, a great multitude that no one can number will surround the throne and worship the Savior. And that multitude of people will be made up of people from every nation, every tribe, every people group, and every language, worshiping the Savior together, declaring together his mighty, his worthiness, and his glory. As you get that picture, as you let that picture soak into your mind, as I think about people of all kinds surrounding the throne, brothers and sisters in Christ worshiping Jesus, it, it, it makes me thankful. I hope it makes you thankful. It, it gives me thankfulness in reminding me of God's heart for all people. Because every human being is made in the image of God. God created you, each of you, every human in his image to be in relationship with him. And because we are made in his image, we too are to love all people. And because of those truths, I I know some things. Because of the reality of God's great love for all people and that we are made in his image to love others as well, because of that, 
it is so difficult to absorb difficult news that we've been processing in recent days. That George Floyd's death was, was obviously an unacceptable, horrendous tragedy. And, and because of, of God's love for all people, I believe that we as his children, as followers of Jesus, must join our fellow humans in being heartbroken that systemic racism continues to plague us. Now, I want you to know that my comments about race this morning, just now, a little later, they're, they're not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. These comments are not meant to be comprehensive. I, I would ask that you would give me grace and that would, we would give each other lots of grace in these topics and in, in other areas. I, I'm not attempting to cover, cover every complicated aspect of the swirling tensions in our culture right now. I, I do grieve for, for every way that sin impacts the world. I do grieve for the way that the sin, sin impacts so many aspects of our lives. And, and I do grieve for all people that, that are hurting as a result of current events. But today, in this couple of minutes, I'm asking us to listen to what God might have to say to us. I'm asking us to listen and learn and grow in our awareness and understanding of the realities of racism. The gospel good news of Jesus for all people is incompatible. It is, it, the good news of Jesus is inherently opposed to racism or hatred of any kind. The Bible says in 1 John 4, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So I'm asking, uh, church family, that this morning that we would desire God to work in us, in me, in you. And, and as God would work in us, that would include us submitting ourselves willingly uh, to, to his searching of our hearts submitting ourselves to examine our own hearts and minds, I pray that God would work in us, even on this topic of racism. Lord, what is present in me that is not pleasing to you? And, God, and, and I pray, church family, that God, as he works in us, would also work through us as conduits of his love to all people. So, Let's see what God, with this all as a backdrop, with these important topics as a backdrop, let's see what God has for us as we conclude our four-part our four series titled Scattered. We've been, this is our fourth week in a, in a teaching series that we called Scattered. And we've been reminding ourselves over and over, I know, you, you may be tired of hearing it, We've been reminding ourselves that the church is not a building. We know the church is not a building. We know the church is God's people. And if, if, God's, and if the church is God's people, then the church is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
Our building may have closed, but the church never closed. And if we are the church, and if we are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we need to ask, what does God have for us to live into that calling? To be the church throughout the week, every day. See, because I've, as I've been thinking and reflecting on the circumstances we find ourselves in, because of the COVID-19 crisis, because of not having use of our building right now, I find myself concerned a bit, and I don't know if this is something you've, you've wrestled with or not, I find myself a bit concerned that not having a building or use of our building could throw us off a bit. And if we're not careful, we might feel thrown off and a bit lost without use of the building. We may feel like we've lost the one hour a week that we really feel is church. We've titled this church, this series, Scattered, because the church has always been to be both gathered and scattered. Now, 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 under ideals, our usual circumstances, under better circumstances, we would be gathered for worship of Jesus together. We would be gathered to enjoy Christian fellowship, and we would be scattered to take his love to the world and be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus. But in, in these less than ideal circumstances, we have, we've been given an opportunity, an opportunity to learn and see that we can continue to gather and scatter even without use of our building. We've been given opportunity in recent days and weeks to see that we can obey Jesus, we can fulfill God's mission for the local church even without a building. Because being part of a church family and gathering together with other Christians is critical, is a critical part of being a follower of Jesus. But having a building is not. So while we're still scattered, we are beginning to gather in smaller groups, and that's a blessing. But while we are still scattered in some ways, let's see what God's word has for us in Luke chapter 10. If you haven't already turned in your Bible, I'd love you to have your Bible on, on your lap or your Bible app open so that we can keep our finger in the text, so to speak, hearing from God this morning. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, and in a moment we will start at verse 25. This series called Scattered has really, uh, we shaped this series really um, by what some of the key things we believe we are to, to be about as a church family. What are key things that followers of Jesus do? What is the mission of a local church? And, even, and we even see this played out in our life groups that, are meet, that can be meeting right now. How do our life groups uh, play out the purposes of, of a church family? There's a couple, there's, of course, of course uh, these, these emphases areas are, are found throughout Scripture, but here's just a couple Scriptures that we can often go to when we think of basis for what a church is to be all about. The first is referred to as the Great Commission, where Jesus, before he ascended back into heaven, after his three years of earthly ministry, before he ascended back into heaven, Jesus gave what, we've, what has become known as the Great Commission, when he said, Go, therefore and make disciples, help you followers of Jesus, help other people begin following Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all people groups. We're also shaped by something that has become known as the great commandments. Uh, let's get into our scripture. Luke chapter 10, 
starting at verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer responded, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Earlier in our Scattered series, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jake uh, helped us to think about this part of, of loving God, the importance of, in the great commandment of our love for God. Pastor Jake urged our own spiritual growth that you and I, no matter how long we've been followers of Jesus, need to continue to grow spiritually, drawing near to God, asking God to draw near to us and transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. And, and, and in do, to do so, we need to be in God's word. To do so, as we're in God's word, we're going to have God's help to begin to obey his commands more and more. So that's something we want you to be thinking about, church family. How are you committed to your own spiritual growth? What habits do you have in place? What people around you can help you? How are you growing spiritually, getting closer to God every day? And then last Sunday, Pastor Ed, he was emphasizing this love others part of the great commandment. And in particular last week, um, Pastor Ed was encouraging us about the significance, the importance of gathering with other Christians, of having family-like relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the significance of being devoted to one another as family. And today, then, as we complete the series, I want to think more about this love others, not just loving others that are like us, not just loving our fellow Christians, but we want to expand Jesus' command to love others and see who else that includes. Because I don't have to tell you, we don't have to look very far, we don't have to listen to what's going on around us very long to know that the world is, is broken. Things are ugly Every aspect of our earthly lives are marred by the influence, the impact of sin in the world. People are hurting and people need Jesus. So when we see this around us, which is nothing new, when we see this pain and hurt around us, we can, first of all, we say, come Lord Jesus. We look forward to the return of Jesus and to Jesus setting things right, to the restoration of all things. We look forward to that. And in the meantime, though, God has instituted his purposes. God has instituted the church, our local church, part of the broader church, believers everywhere. The church is to live out God's love into the world. The church is to live on mission. We are to serve God by serving others. We are called to be ambassadors, representatives of Jesus into our spheres of influence. And if we, what do we need to know about, what do we need to remember about our great God to be reminded of what we are to look like and be shaped into as the spirit works in our lives? What do we then live out into the world as his ambassadors? Well, God is love. And Jesus, our savior says that the world will know us by our love for one another. 
we are called as a church to live out the ways of Jesus. How was it Jesus lived? How was it that he cared? What ways did he love? How did he interact with people? And as his ambassadors, we are to walk in the ways and live out the ways of Jesus. The Bible says in John 15, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, that you bear much fruit, follower of Jesus, and so prove to be my followers, my disciples. And what does the Bible mean by fruit there? I think there's a couple options. We certainly see in scripture that as we follow Jesus and as he make, transforms us, we will produce the fruit of other people coming to know Jesus. Not, not that we do that work in our lives, but amazingly, God works through us to, to see the fruit, a harvest, so to speak, of, of others being rescued and finding new life in Jesus. But we also see scripture talk about fruit in this way. In, in places like Galatians 5, we see mention of the fruit of the Spirit, that as followers of Jesus, when we surrender our life to Jesus and, and God rescues us from sin and death, we are also receive his Holy Spirit, God himself living within us, and the Holy Spirit begins transforming us from the inside out, making us into a new person, giving us a new heart, a new mind, and new desires, and forming in us the fruit of the Spirit. And so it's by our fruit that we will be proven to be followers of Jesus. And that fruit in Galatians 5 includes love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, etc. But today our opportunity is to talk about love. That's what we're talking about today is, is our love for others. But for who? Who does God call us to love? Only fellow Christians? Only those who are easy to love? Certainly not. Who is it that God calls us to love? Let's continue in Luke 10. In that same passage we're in, right after Jesus affirms this great commandment that the, that the first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Right after that, let's continue. Luke chapter 10, verse 29. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, says to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? In other words, when you tell me to love my neighbor, who, who do I need to love? So as an answer in verse 30, Jesus replies and gives this answer. There was a man going down from Jerusalem, traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and then left him for dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. Oh, good, someone's going to help this poor man that's been beaten. And when the priest saw the man on the side of the road, he passed by on the other side, kept going. Verse 32. So likewise, another man, a Levite, when he came to this place and saw the hurting man, passed by on the other side of the road. Then came along, verse 33, a Samaritan. But, as a, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to find this man on the side of the road. When he saw him, he had compassion. 
What's incredible about this story, what we got to remember about this story, is that it was culturally, it would have been culturally unacceptable for a Samaritan to help a Jew. But when he sees him, the Samaritan has compassion. Verse 34. So the Samaritan went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set on him, then he set the man on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he even took out money and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of this man, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So Jesus then follows this story with, the, with this question. Which of these three men, do you think, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. So Jesus said, you go. You go and do likewise. That is what we are called to be, church family, followers of Jesus. That's, that's who we are to represent. That's who we are, what we are called to be. It's to be representatives of Jesus, offering mercy, offering justice, offering love. I read uh, some comments this week from a pastor of a church very much like ours, located just blocks from where George Floyd was killed. And that pastor wrote this about this passage of Scripture that we just looked at. This pastor wrote, As a church, we are committed to not be like the priest and Levite from the story of the Good Samaritan. We refuse to look the other way and not get involved. We are committed to be like the Samaritan who saw the need and helped his neighbor. That is what we are to be. That is what the church is to be. You know, in recent days, uh, we've had, I've had oppor numerous opportunities to kind of reflect on something that, the, that our president said recently. You know, you may have heard that our president recently declared the church to be essential. Well, well, that's great. I mean, that's good. I mean, it, it, we certainly, I, I, I'm assuming you agree with me that we want to be as a church family, as the church universal worldwide, we would want to be and we would certainly see ourselves as being essential, as being helpful, as being a necessary part of society, of our culture, of our world. But I, but I saw an interesting, another question as I've been reading so much in the last few weeks. I saw someone pose a really interesting question, and the question that this person raised was, why was the church never considered essential in the first place? Or in other words, why would some people around us in our country or in the world have ever thought of us as non-essential? Is there some self-examination we need to do as a, as a church family, or at least as the broader church in the world? Is there something that we have done to kind of be deemed irrelevant and unnecessary? It grieves me to think about that, the way that our community or our state or our country or our world could perceive Christians and, 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 and God's beautiful bride, the church. Are we being the church? 
Are we living out the ways of Jesus? If, if Jesus is our model, and if, if he is, through his spirit, is transforming us into his image from the inside out, if we are living out the ways of Jesus, would, would that be true? Would we be sort of seen as non-essential? Are the, are the people that, making, that make up Faith Church, are we respected, appreciated, essential in the community of Dallas? Or, or if in some strange way, just imagine this if you would, if, if in some strange way, God's people, Faith Church, were to, to, to disappear, to be non-existent all of a sudden in Dallas, would it, would it go unnoticed? Not missed? Or is God doing a work in us that, that, that leaves no doubt that the, God's church is essential to the flourishing of the human race? The Bible says in Micah 6.8, He has told you, O human, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to love in these three ways. What does the Lord require of you but to love in these three ways? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus is what the world needs. God's love is what the world needs. And God amazingly wants to use you and I to be conduits of his great love to our neighbors, to, the, to our spheres of influence. God, we, we, I want to ask God together, church family, to give us his heart for all people and all issues that we are discussing. Can, may we not just interact with a certain aspect of the tension out there. May we not just prioritize this one issue or this one tendency or this one thing that we like to do, but might, might God help us to love all people and, and to interact as Jesus' ambassadors in, in every way that we discuss and in every, with every person that we come across. In other words, so, so how does that play out based on, on the tensions in our country and the recent news stories? What would it look like for, for Jesus to be working in us through his spirit, for us to be his ambassadors? How would Jesus love and interact with the black community? How would Jesus love and interact with our police officers, both our police officers who've, who've gone astray and, and our honorable, our many, many honorable police officers? How would Jesus interact and love peaceful protesters? How would Jesus love and interact even with the rioters? How does Jesus love and interact with you, with me? I want to follow in the steps of Jesus. I want to increasingly learn to live out the ways of Jesus, interacting with and loving all people with grace, with mercy, with God's love. And so just for a minute before we, we close here, I just, just for a minute, I want to discuss a couple of really practical ways that, that we can think about our lives and our interactions and our, our actions and our words. 
you know, these, these tense topics of racial reconciliation and of what the black community faces and, and um, what our lives look like in America, these, these bring up strong feelings and, and it's controversial. And so these topics are emotional. And so I just want us to, to take a breath and pause and think practically about what honoring Jesus looks like what living as his ambassadors might look like when we enter into discussions about these topics or when we engage in dialogue online, with social media, etc., about these topics. I would ask you, I would urge you, one thing to keep in mind, as you consider what you're going to say in a discussion, if you, as you consider what you're going to post, I would urge you to not just keep in mind your own perspective, but think of who's hearing and listening Think of who your words are reaching and what their, what their ability is to hear and receive and understand what you're saying. Who's, who's listening? And as we think about what we're going to contribute to a conversation or what we're going to post online, instead of just lamenting our own frustrations, do we have an opportunity instead to seek perspective from others, to seek to learn, and even use these channels of communication, whether in person or online, to express love, God's love through us for all people. Let's not make the mistake of, of jumping to conclusions when someone speaks on one aspect of these tense, tense topics or when someone posts a couple lines online. Let's not assume that if someone is speaking or posting about one aspect, that th that doesn't have to mean that they don't care about the other aspects. Let's engage in careful dialogue. And you know, when I, th when I think about this, when I think about getting into discussions with people or post interacting online or on social media, maybe the other practical thing we need to consider is, should we even be doing this online in the first place? Is posting on social media really the best place for this? Or, or might God want us to go to people, go directly to people and engage in a loving, thoughtful, two-way dialogue where we can see each other's body language, where we can clarify misunderstandings. Might God prefer that we go to people, not just people who agree with us, not just news channels that agree with us, but even go to people where we want to understand more and engage in, in a conversation and ask God to help us grow as listeners. Listeners who are not just waiting for our next chance to talk, but listeners who are learning to really hear what a person's life experiences and understandings are and seeking to listen in a way to understand them so that we can be conduits of God's great love to us poured out to others. Well, let's, let's wrap up here our scattered series. We've been asking God to help us be the church church is not a building. We've been asking God to help us be the church, even when we're scattered, even in our various places, even in all of our spheres of influence, probably even more so should we continue to be God's church when we're scattered. Let's, let's, let's know and remember that 
that one hour a week on Sunday is important. It is a great and important part of following Jesus. We want to be together. Eventually, we will gather again in larger numbers to celebrate Jesus and to be together as a church family. That one hour on Sunday is important to our faith, and we will get back there. But what if in this season of life, something God has in mind to teach us is is this opportunity that we have to follow Jesus, to love others, and to make disciples Monday through Saturday as well. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, But you, follower of Jesus, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Why, followers of Jesus? Why, faith church family, are you a chosen people? Why are you rescued by Jesus and called his own? That verse continues and explains why. So, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Church family, let's be essential. Let's be light into the darkness, not because of our own efforts and our own qualifications and our own merits, but let's be essential. Let's point to the light in Jesus. Let's be Jesus people. Let's be people of love. Because God is love, he loves us, he's working in us and through us. That's my prayer for us, church family. Father in heaven, we need you. Father in heaven, we need you so much. These these issues, these topics are difficult and painful and we fall short of understanding your heart for all people. We fall short of understanding how we can live out your calling us to be your children, your people, your church. So, Father, we need you desperately. Father, would you help us repent? Where we fall short, where we sin against you, where we rebel against your best for us, God, would you help us to repent, to turn from our sin, to turn from our old ways of living and thinking and instead follow Jesus? Not just once way back when we first became a Christian, but God, would you help us repent daily of our old selves, of our old ways, of our sinful patterns, and instead look to Jesus for continued transformation. Father, we thank you for that you forgive, that when we come to you and we confess our sin and we repent, we thank you that you forgive. We thank you that through Christ's work on the cross, you have made, it, made us right with you, Father, that you have made it possible for us to be adopted into your family, to be rescued. And God, we thank you that you continue to be at work in us for, your, for our good and for your glory. Father, would you continue to transform us from the inside out? And God, as we, as we celebrate your goodness to us and as we desire to, to live as, as obedient children, honoring you in all that we do or say, God, may we worship you now in these next moments. Help us to worship you now in our, in our giving, in lifting up our voices, in saying our prayers. God, would you help us to worship you, to live for you in all that we do and say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.